0: Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 113 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Great to have you on board. Today, a year-end review. What was the good, the bad, and the ugly in 2007 as you heard it on Blast the Right? Plus, I'll have some updates for you. Usually this podcast covers one or two topics in depth. Today you'll hear a summation of over 40 podcasts, so the pace'll be brisk. Let's get right into it. My sources are those in the dozens of podcasts I'll be referring to, so I obviously can't list all of those sources now. You can refer to the data resources page for the podcast in question. In addition, for some follow-up information presented today for the first time, you'll hear from the New York Times, CommonDreams.org, the BushAgenda.net, the LA Times, and FindLaw.com. In order to get a handle on this year's subjects, I grouped the podcasts by subject matter, and that's how I'll go through them. You can see a document organizing the podcast by subject matter through a link on the data resources page. When I went through all these podcasts, The standout theme just leapt out at me, best exemplified by the biblical passage where it says that by their fruit shall you know them, and that the bad tree bears evil fruit. The bad, bushy, and right-wing tree has indeed borne evil fruit, increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death. This was obvious for all to see this year. The Bushian fruit was probably no more evident than in the ever-increasing cascade of stories in 2007 about unhealthy, dangerous products and practices afflicting Americans, which were the results of the Bush mania for hollowing out and crippling the regulatory agencies. This they did through budget cuts, draconian staff reductions, and woefully misguided policies. Early in the year, you heard on Blast the Right how the Bush administration ignored its own evidence and produced trucking regulations that will result in many more highway deaths. In a follow-up podcast, you heard both American truck drivers who wrote in confirming that point and European truck drivers who contrasted the pathetic American rules with the safety-first approach in their own nations. As 2007 progressed, there were more revelations, for example, that Bush agency inaction led to the severe illness of many workers in the popcorn industry from inhaling a dangerous chemical, and that the Bushians had delayed the release of a report proving the dangers of secondhand smoke. All that would be bad enough, but it was just a taste of what was to come. It was later in 2007 that a flood of Lack of regulation causes harm stories really became fast and furious. Many related to imports from China. We discussed antifreeze found in toothpaste. Dozens died abroad, thankfully no one here in the U.S. Millions of toys were found to be heavily contaminated with lead paint. Undoubtedly, huge numbers of children have been exposed to that lead. With what results, we won't know until their learning disabilities and other resultant adverse health effects become obvious. All this happened in the context of the Bush administration reducing the budgets and staffing at these agencies. Some updates on this destroy the regulators issue. We now know that the Consumer Product Safety Commission failed to remove a dangerous grout sealant which had caused fatalities from retail shelves. Recently there were reports of horrific contamination of imported seafood The New York Times revealed just last week that most of the unsafe toys and other products contaminated with lead are probably still in consumer hands. The situation is so bad, in fact, that normally bitter rivals, food industry lobbyists and public health advocates, have joined together to demand that the Bush administration provide more funding and powers to the Federal Food and Drug Administration. I guess Bush really is a uniter, not a divider. This entire situation shows the need for regulation before the fact, before the harm is done. Right-wingers argue that dangerous products can be addressed as discovered. Yeah, after people are already injured and dead. The bad Bushian tree, the bad right-wing tree, has here borne evil fruit, and the public can see it with their own eyes. On to the next subject we covered, economic justice. I devoted more podcasts to this than just about any other issue. You know my mantra. Everything the right wing does is designed to accomplish one of two things. Either A. Transfer wealth from everyone else to the rich, or B. Distract everyone else from the fact that A. Is occurring. There was a growing stream of information all year showing just how amazingly earnest and successful the right wing has been with that wealth transfer. Early in 2007, I told you how the Bush IRS twisted rules and regulations in order to allow corporations to, in effect, get away with tax evasion. How? By severely limiting the scope of audits and then prematurely closing them. This allowed the corporations to pay only a fraction of what they legitimately owed. Bush's federal budgets have followed this Enrich the Already Rich pattern as well. Consistently, the GOP wanted to slash programs that provide critical assistance to our most vulnerable citizens, while at the same time give tax breaks to the richest 1% among us. A tsunami of statistics showed the results. Every time I saw one, I said, I have to do a segment on that. But then another one came along, and another. Many I never got to. Here's one whopper I did. You may not find this easy to believe, but I double-checked it's true. It may be the statistic of the year. The 400 richest Americans, all billionaires, have as much combined wealth as the entire bottom half of the nation. Yes, these 400 families have as much wealth as 57 million other American families. And... Since 1992, these richest 400 Americans have doubled their share of the nation's income. As an update, you should know that it's not like the economic pie is growing so large that even those in the middle and bottom economic tiers are doing better, and it's just that the rich are doing even better than that. No. The median income of working-age families, median income, is that income level where half the people earn more and half the people earn less, The median income of working-age families adjusted for inflation has fallen by over 5% since Bush took office. The average American is going backwards economically under right-wing misrule. The wealth transfer from everyone else to the already rich is happening. And of course, there's the poverty rate. While it did have a slight downtick in 2006, the poverty rate in the United States is still higher than when Bush took office. All this means that, as you also heard on Blast the Right, income inequality is the greatest in our nation since 1928, the eve of the Great Depression. What to do about it? Well, speaking of the Great Depression, This year I played you extensive excerpts of Franklin Delano Roosevelt excoriating what he calls the economic royalists, the right-wingers of his time, for aggrandizing unto themselves great wealth and seizing the reins of power. Sound familiar? FDR was well aware of the right-wing goal of transferring wealth from everyone else to the rich, and how they intended to get away with it. FDR explained that these economic royalists argued, and you should know that our present-day right-wingers still argue, that while government can legitimately guarantee the right to vote, it can and should have nothing to do with the right to work, or to work at a decent wage.
1: The royalists I have spoken of, the royalists of the economic order, have conceded that political freedom was the business of the government, but they have maintained that economic slavery was nobody's business. They granted that the government could protect the citizen in his right to vote, But they denied that the government could do anything to protect the citizen in his right to work and his right to live.
0: FDR begged to differ and believed such is a proper role for government. So do you, I imagine, unless you're a right-winger listening one of the drown the government in a bathtub brigade or rush Limbaugh.
1: Roosevelt is dead! His policies may
0: live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. The minimum wage is a fundamental, bedrock, no-excuses-accepted test of the social contract. Unless a person has inherited wealth, the only way he or she can earn their daily bread is to work. If you work, you can eat. The social contract is, if you work hard and play by the rules and keep your nose clean, you'll earn enough to be able to eat to be able to live a decent life by American standards. Congress in 2007, in one of the few good things it's done this session, upped the minimum wage from $5 and change to $7 and change. A nice first step, but the inflation-adjusted minimum wage to keep up with the 1968 level would be over $9, and even that's not enough. What's needed is a living wage level federal minimum wage. You heard on Blast the Right this year how the state of Maryland has taken a step in that direction, mandating that many employers contracting with the state must pay a living wage to their employees. Scores of municipalities have living wage laws as well. In more good news, you heard in 2007 how the right-wing goal of distracting everyone else from the transfer of wealth to the rich is not working anywhere near as well as the Bushians would like. One poll found that a large majority of Americans feel that wealth should be more evenly distributed in our nation. Nearly half favor heavily taxing the wealthy to achieve that. The bad Bushian tree of class warfare has borne the evil fruit of rampant inequality. The people have taken notice and are waking up. And I'm happy to say not just on that issue. You heard my three-part series called Reason to Cheer. Several polls from major polling organizations all agree that Americans support progressive policies on most every economic and social justice issue, that our progressive majority is growing larger and larger, and that increasingly left-leaning youth will turn the country increasingly progressive. What issues are those? For starters, try the overall role of government, health care, immigration, taxes, and moral values. Yes, moral values. Regarding health care in particular, you heard me talk about how Bush's health care plan was an outright scam and fraud, since the White House had to admit that it would help at most one-tenth of the sum 47 million uninsured Americans. You heard how Americans told pollsters they strongly support a federal government guarantee of health care for all. And you heard definitive statistics showing that universal health coverage does not mean long waits for care, as the right would have you believe. As a solution, I advocated a single-payer system. Private doctors, private hospitals, the government as payer. Like Medicare. And of course, we discussed Bush's veto of the state children's health insurance program. He just vetoed it a second time the perfect symbol of right-wing hard-heartedness, unlimited funds for war, penny-pinching on medical care for children. Speaking of war, the other major area discussed this year was foreign policy and Western economic exploitation of the Third World. You'll hear a 2007 review of that subject next.
1: The right, the right, the right, the right, the right, the
0: right. Your One Minute Voting Report. Thanks for all those great five-star reviews in iTunes. Keep them coming in to counter the right-wing one-star sabotage reviews. As our ratings improve in iTunes, we get more exposure and new listeners, and the progressive word is spread ever further. Also, thanks for your votes on Podcast Alley. We're currently number nine there. If you haven't voted yet this month, please do so so we can stay in the top 10 the rest of December. Thanks. When talking about U.S. foreign policy and Western economic exploitation of the third world, the Blast the Right theme is, as at home, so abroad. You heard Evo Morales tell us how his mother in Bolivia, being a poor indigenous woman, was a third class citizen, not even allowed to walk in her town's public square. Now Evo Morales, her son, is the president of Bolivia. He's ruling in the interests of the poor majority. He's forcing the multinationals to pay a fair price for Bolivia's natural gas. Los hidrocarburos nacionalizamos.
1: Sin expropiar ni expulsar a ninguna empresa. Dijimos que era importante tener socios, no patrones. Y cumplimos. Porque el inversionista tiene derecho a recuperar su inversión y tener derecho a la ganancia.
0: The investor has the right to recuperate inversión investment and to a, a reasonable profit
1: but we can't uh,
0: allow for the sacking of the country and only the the companies benefit and not the people. It's making the Bolivian elite furious. Some are threatening civil war. Messy, but progress. You heard how no-nonsense land reform is proceeding in Bolivia and in Venezuela under Hugo Chavez as well. Did you hear my podcast where Martin Luther King, in his Beyond Vietnam speech, explained how it's the moral duty of those of us in the West who understand these things to support third world revolutions for social justice?
1: These are revolutionary times. All over the globe, men are revolting against old systems of exploitation and oppression. And out of the wounds of a frail world, new systems of justice. And equality are being born. The shirtless and barefoot people of the land are rising up as never before. The people who set in darkness have seen a great light. We in the West must support these revolutions.
0: In other words, to support leaders like Evo Morales and Hugo Chavez by preventing U.S. interference in those nations. In order to support such leaders by preventing U.S. interference, you need to be able to see through right-wing propaganda. Towards that end, you heard me thoroughly debunk the right-wing line about the Venezuelan TV station whose over-the-air license Chavez didn't renew. The reason the right-wing will never tell you? Oh, nothing too serious, just that the TV station had actively supported a coup d'etat against Chavez. And that station is actually still open, Broadcasting on cable and satellite. And the vast majority of media in Venezuela remains privately owned and anti-Chavez. Update. I guess Chavez's quick acceptance this month of a narrow 51-49% electoral defeat of his referendum proposals gives the further lie to the absurd right-wing claim that this freely elected leader is a dictator speaking of western exploitation of and damage to the third world you are exposed to vulture funds rich western speculators buy up third world debt that is about to be forgiven and then sue for the full amount plus interest needless to say prominent right-wingers are involved in these funds I also told you about how right-wing ideological fanatics in the U.S. and multilateral foreign aid establishments insisted that the impoverished African nation of Malawi reduce and even end fertilizer supplements. The result was famine. When Malawi's president stood up to the West and simply reinstated the fertilizer supplements, there was a bumper crop and people had plenty to eat. I also gave you information about how to pressure multilateral lending institutions like the World Bank to forgive third-world debt. That debt was most often incurred by corrupt dictators the Western Bank should never have loaned the money to in the first place. You didn't hear just from me. In one podcast, Jock Chamberlain told us how he went from being an international investment banker to a truth-telling journalist and Chuck Kaufman of the Nicaragua Network gave us the lowdown on how to do the kind of effective solidarity work Martin Luther King would have demanded. No discussion of U.S. foreign policy would be complete without Iraq and Iran, of course. You heard Fox News's blatant warmongering against Iran. You heard John McCain's descent into delusion as he took a Potemkin village tour of a Baghdad market. And something the mainstream media just won't report... You heard how the U.S. and multinational oil companies wrote a new Iraqi oil law and tried to impose it on that nation. The new law would have diverted a large percentage of the oil revenue away from the Iraqi people and into the coffers of the multinational oil companies. This was strong evidence of the validity of the No Blood for Oil slogan. An update. Happily, the law seems dead for now done in, among other reasons, by strong opposition within Iraq to turning over their oil industry and its profits to foreign companies. Beyond Iraq, there's the overall so-called war on terror. You heard my interview with the Bush-bashing conservative scholar Bruce Fine and other sources which showed you that the Bush-Cheney claim about unfettered presidential war powers is totally bogus and that any danger from terrorists is far less than would justify the kind of civil liberties violations perpetrated by the Bush administration. Here's a bit of Fine's commentary.
1: The gist of the president's theory of Article 2, that's the article that describes executive power is that when he says we're at war with terrorism, uh, he then cannot be restrained in any way whatsoever, including assassinations from attempting to gather foreign intelligence. And when he's confronted with, well, is there no stopping point? You can commit burglaries. You can, you can do anything, brutalize people, torture people to gather foreign intelligence. The response is not that he doesn't have that power, but at present, by his great benevolence, he's not doing it yet, so let's not worry We should not exaggerate and shortcut due process and fairness and create poster children for recruiters for al-Qaeda like Maher Arar by doing things that we invite injustices, egregious injustices, that then are turned against us by those in the Middle East and elsewhere who will say, this is the United States, this is why you have to join the terrorists.
0: Did you learn from the corporate-owned media that the right wing's beloved enhanced interrogation techniques have a dual Soviet and Nazi pedigree? You did learn that from Blast the Right. My goodness, the honest conservatives are so up in arms. Bruce Fine and others have formed a group calling on all presidential candidates to sign a ten-point pledge to reverse the Bush-Cheney constitutional abuses. Surprise, surprise! Virtually none of the candidates have, as I reported back then in the podcast. Okay. Okay the multiple deregulation dangerous products fiascos, rampantly increasing income and wealth inequality, and the struggle of the third world to throw off the boot heel of Western economic exploitation, those were probably the three main areas covered by Blast the Right in 2007. There were also, though, a host of other podcast segments which dealt, by and large, with various means the right used to implement its agenda. I'll race through some of them, reminding you what you heard if you listened to Blast the Right all year, and letting you know what you missed if you didn't. Election fraud and dirty tricks. Congressional testimony revealed the involvement of a Bush administration official in vote caging, a process that illegally throws African American voters off the voting rolls, and the GOP tried to change California from a winner-takes-all electoral vote system to a district-by-district apportionment of electoral votes. That would cripple the Democratic effort to retake the White House in 08. Seriously bogus if done just in a Democratic stronghold state. An update. The measure failed to make the June 08 ballot, but right-wing supporters now say they'll try for the November 08 ballot. Could that measure, if passed, apply to the November 08 presidential election itself? Stay tuned. On the immigration reform front, I gave you my reasoning why we actually owe a path to citizenship to most undocumented immigrants. It's not amnesty. It's keeping our part of the bargain. Racism. You heard from Mark Potok of the Southern Poverty Law Center, a premier anti-hate group organization. He explained how the anti-immigrant rhetoric of much of the right-wing has emboldened violent racists to act out their fantasies of harming minorities. The incidents Mark recounted were horrendous. How about phony right-wing Christians? I interviewed a right-wing Christian who couldn't very well defend his anti-gay views. I also devoted an entire podcast to show you a very effective way to call out right-wing Christians on their Kill Jesus ideology and behavior. That's my equivalent alternative solutions challenge. In some fun segments, I played you a couple of Bill O'Reilly clips. You saw how he misled his audience by claiming that the U.S. poverty rate is low when it's the highest in the Western industrialized world. Another time, his lie was that the Iraq War was the fault of Jacques Chirac. Just remember this. If Jacques Chirac had stepped up and looked Saddam in the eye and said, either let those U.N.
1: inspectors do their job unfettered or I'm going with the U.S.A. and Britain, Saddam would have blinked.
0: Wouldn't have been an Iraq War. This Iraq War is on Chirac. It's on right on his head. That's where it is. Huh? And one additional segment was about O'Reilly's perhaps even more jaw-dropping claim that anti-U.S. world public opinion is the fault of Rosie O'Donnell. I kid you not. On the issue of gay marriage, a listener wrote in with a very touching explanation of how he and his partner suffer because of their inability to legally marry. Let me not forget to add, as we wrap this up, two podcasts on right-wing ideology. One was entitled, "Market as Deity, Reflections on the Right Wing's Golden Calf. Pretty self-explanatory. The other was entitled, Right Wing Charity, Sufficient Atonement for Their Sins? The conclusion? No way. Right-wing policies cause far more increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death than any right-wing charity could possibly make up for. Boy, as you heard from the beginning of this podcast, What a smorgasbord of evil fruit from a bad tree, huh? We covered a lot of ground in 2007. I ask, what to do about all the horrors you heard about in 2007 on Blast the Right? Well first, within podcasts throughout the year, as you heard earlier, were suggestions for the type of policies needed to solve problems, not make them worse. So I asked each time that you lobby your two senators and congressmen to pass the appropriate legislation. The number for Congress is two hundred two 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 four three one two one. Second, I repeatedly urged you to go out and engage your friendly local right wingers in animated conversation. I've given you plenty of ammo to blast them with. You heard me do so in a Blog Talk Radio-sponsored debate against Jen from ScrewLiberals.com. Listeners are doing so as well. You heard an email from one who has started to convert a right-winger. Great job. To close, let me ask you. Do you think we've turned the corner yet away from Bushian right-wing greed and death? My answer is, unfortunately, no. We haven't yet turned the corner, but the corner is visible in the distance. And that corner we're approaching, once we turn it, then we'll be able to see our goal in sight. That's how I envision our current situation. That's what sounds right to me. That's the path I feel we're all on. So, progressive listener, keep struggling and fighting. And let me leave you with some inspirational words to fortify you on your journey. It's a little saying I've been sharing with progressives for decades. It goes, If you expect to see the results of your life's work in your own lifetime, you haven't chosen a big enough task. To repeat, If you expect to see the results of your life's work in your own lifetime, you haven't chosen a big enough task. Dear listener, it's we progressives who have chosen a big enough task. Indeed, the biggest task of all, creating a world of human health, prosperity, and freedom. Despite what I just said, may we all live to see it within our lifetimes. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. Tell ten friends and vote for Blast the Right at com. And don't forget those five-star reviews in the iTunes Music Store. You get to that through the iTunes software, not the website. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Why don't you come over to the podcast homepage, subscribe for free, and you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. As the year closes, I also want to give a special shout-out and thank you to all my listeners and the management at KWMD, Casillo, Alaska, WUTZ, Summertown, Tennessee, KNFS-LP in Tulare, California, the website NextGen570.com, GlobalPublicRadio.org, and Grateful Dread Radio at GratefulDread.net indeed i want to say to all my listeners i appreciate very much you listening to this podcast all year and i wish each of you a healthy and a happy and a prosperous and a successful new year and now a word from another progressive podcaster These people are all libs
1: every day he tells dozens of them I don't know any more than what I'm telling you, other than I lie. Oh, so that's it. Every day, I'm going to expose one. I just flat out freaking lie. You bloated idiot! The Rush Limbaugh Lie of the Day with your host, Joseph Lyles. Five days a week at cgradio.net. You
0: can't handle the truth! Music credits. The break music was The Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music. We'll close with a little bit of Peter Finch's Howard Beale in the classic film Network combined with No Justice No Peace by Wacky Avelli. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. As always, special thanks to radio talk show host extraordinaire Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh audio clip. I love all your comments. Please keep them coming in. I've actually made a lot of progress catching up with the backlog. I actually started from the most recent ones, and I'm going backwards. So the oldest ones I'm going to respond to last. Maybe I should have done it the other way. In any event, my address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call and leave a comment to play on Blast the Right. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You could also leave a message on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.
1: You've got to get mad. You've got to say I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value.